Uh, we are so insulated from death right now in our culture that I fear we do not appreciate it enough. I mean, you don't even have to kill the meat that you eat. It's just totally sanitized. And you can go a long time without wrestling with it unless, of course, you have the grief of losing someone that you love very much, particularly close to you. Anyway, that's all to say, I actually kind of think it's healthy uh, to be very mindful of what's coming. You're all going to die very soon. Just turn to someone and say, yeah, you're going to die pretty soon. Now, some of you sooner than others, uh, but, you know, the fact is we don't know, do we? We don't know. Um, I have uh, I passed 50 now, uh, which means as an American male, uh, statistically speaking, I have on average about 30 years left. Uh, the life expectancy of someone who's 50, 51 is 80, a uh, male. Uh, women can still expect to live a little bit longer, although that's leveling off because men aren't doing hard labor like they used to. I mean, we used to wear ourselves out working on the farms or our grueling uh, work in the factories, and as we have become a little less uh, physical, um, we're starting to live as long as women. Uh, women had struggles of childbirth that tended to uh, reduce their life expectancies. Men have war, uh, which, uh, combat, which tended to uh, reduce their life expectancies. We're in the longest age of great power peace that the world has ever known right now, so yay men. And of course, medical advances have really relieved women of some of the burdens of childbirth. Praise God uh, for that. But, you know, right now, if, if you're born today, um, your life expectancy as American will be about 79 years. Um, the older you get, the more it creeps up. Nana's life expectancy, expectancy, she's 94 going on 95. Her life expectancy is 98. You know, she makes it another year and be 99. Why not go for 100? Psalm 92, which is written in your program, says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. From Psalm 90, one of the, one of the, great, one of the great psalms, one of the core psalms. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I don't think that's morbid. Like, oh, you only have so many days, then you die. I don't think that's... I don't think that's unhealthy. I think that's, I mean, it's wise, you know, so you gain a, a heart of, of wisdom. It's out of fashion, you know, but I think it's just tremendously uh, wise. Uh, I was, and this is going to surprise you, I was a weird kid. Um, I was super morbid. Uh, my, my, my grandmother, who uh, raised me until I was 12, uh, and she's not here this morning. Uh, she got up late. But she would say that I was, she was fond of saying that I was born 40. I was never a kid. I was always just very somber and uh, not as ebullient and expressive as I am now. Um, but I, I can remember, uh, I can remember the moment I found out about death. 
Uh, we were living in Missouri at the time. I was about three going on four years old, and I was in the driveway of our rented little shack in the outskirts of Independence, Missouri. Uh, and I was behind a car uh, that was warming up in the driveway. Anybody old enough to remember when you used to have to let cars warm up in the morning? Anyone? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, it was, and this was all so back in the time, you know, before fuel efficiency and stuff. So it was just like billows of exhaust coming out the back uh, of this old Chevy. And, and it, to me, it looked like clouds. I remember this. And so I ran into the exhaust, and I was just sort of, it's like, you know, you can't see me. And there were two neighbor boys living next door I played with sometime. They were older. They were like men of the world. They were like six, seven years old. And they, they came to me, and they grabbed me, and they, they yanked me out. Don't do that, Jody. Everybody called me Jody back then. Uh, and I was like, well, why? He said, because it, it will kill you. You will die. And, and I remember thinking, no. I don't, I don't die. Of course you die. Things die. And I was like, well, some animals die. And I remember them explaining to me the facts of life, the fundamental fact of life, which was like death. And I remember walking inside and checking it out with, with Nana. Explain something to me. What's the deal here? Uh, and it's like, yeah, you know, people don't live forever. And I remember asking, well, they live like a long time, like a million years, right? And I remember sh her saying to me, uh, well, you're going to live a long time. Don't worry about it. Um, and, uh, and the rest of us, maybe not so much. And I just remember the fear that set upon me, right? Like you can tell, I remember every detail of this conversation because it was so important to me. It was just filled with impact um, and changed the way I, I see the world. Now, I was kind of a somber, depressive kid as it was. There had been a huge transition in my life. We were, at the time, running from the law, uh, living under assumed names, my family on the margins of society. There was a lot of stress in our lives. And, and I just sort of carry that with me. And I remember uh, just feeling at sunset like the day was dying and, uh, and wondering how long plants might live and, and, uh, and stuff like that. That sounds terrible. I am certain that that turned me to the Lord. I am certain that, that became inspiration in my life to do life right. And it gave me a powerful sense of urgency that has never left me. Never. It hit me so hard. It has never left me. I want to recruit everybody I can into eternity. Everyone. I, the, the knot in my gut has never gone. And there's something about that that, okay, it's weird. It's somber. It has affected my personality and twisted my dark sense of humor. Um, but it's, it's kind of true, yeah? That piece uh, has actually been helpful to me over the years. And now I'm old enough to kind of think about it in a different way. I, I'm seeing death in a different way now. You know, early on, it felt like a tragedy to me and motivated me to live a certain way. Now it makes me want to hurry. You know, it's like, well, on average, I have about 30 years left. 
I am a sang. There has never been a sang man in history that has lived longer than 72. Uh, That was my dad. He died recently, and boy, he had to fight for the last couple of years. We die young, we sangs. We tend to live hard and and, uh, do some things that we shouldn't, so maybe there'll be a few years on to my clean living life. But, you know, what can a man like me do in 20 years? that I haven't been able to do yet? What can I get accomplished? What can I get finished? I mean, that's, I'm of an age where that has become an important question to me. And, and another thing that's happening to me is that when I look at others, I kind of see them relatively kind of on their journey through life now, now that I've lived enough of the journey that I'm probably past the halfway point, um, Nana's age notwithstanding. You know, I see some young people and I think, ah, you're just figuring it out. You're at the figuring it out stage. I see that. Let me help you get this right. I see other people, sort of mature adults, and I think, man, you've got to get established. You've got to get established, you know, because time is, is fleeting. And, and I know what it is, you know, to kind of be fully an adult and to be thinking about that and grappling with that. Um, I see more mature adults, those of us reaching middle age, and now I'm kind of having this reaction like, man, you need to not waste what you've gotten. You know, you've made it, man. You've made it this far. Do you know what that means? Do you know what you can do? And I'm kind of seeing people in that light now. And then, you know, slightly older people. And there's nothing better than hanging out with a really old, faithful Christian. It's just like, I mean, that's like the coolest thing, right? People have been walking the walk for decades. You know people like that? Maybe you don't, but if you ever have the chance. And, and I look at them and I think, oh, you just got to pass it on. I mean, we got to get it out of you. We have to get you to transfer that. Because, man, a life spent walking with the Lord. I mean, that's a life. I mean, if you really did it, if you really did it right, I mean, oh, there are, I mean, there are so few of you, <laughs> really, you know, there's so few grandfathers and grandmothers, I mean, really, that can sort of pass it on. I can tell I'm kind of passionate about that. Pardon me for getting on the soapbox. But it's all by way of, of introducing uh, our next sermon series, uh, which I'm just sort of calling the race. And, I, and I, I mean for it to be a sermon series on kind of the arc of life, A to Z, soup to nuts, I said that to Antonio in the office. I'm going to do a sermon series on life, soup to nuts. But it turns out not everybody knows what that phrase is, soup to nuts. It's like you're shaking your head. No, that's, yeah, you were a weird kid. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's like how old meals used to go. You'd serve the soup first and then all the main courses, and, and then you'd get to the end. You'd put out nuts and fruit. But, you know. European history, people, read a book. So we'll call it A to Z, which is an alphabet thing, for those of you who are surviving on spell check. Um, you know, it's a sermon series about kind of knowing where you are in life. You know, what's going on for you in life, in this journey that we call life? Because it is a journey, and there are different phases, and there are different phases especially to the spiritual life, because not all of life is chronological by any means, Right? There are spiritual stages of, of growth as, as well, and, and it's important to kind of know where you are so that you know what you have to do 
And most importantly, and this is the point, so that you don't drift. So that you don't drift and fail to get stuff done. Because that, that's the only thing that could go wrong at the end of life. Like, oh, I really failed to get that thing done, that thing that I needed uh, to do. Uh, I've lived a life of faith long enough to know that, you know, the life of faith does change a bit over time. There's that stage at the beginning that is like the seeker stage, you know. I mean, you don't even know if you believe yet, but you just know that it's important. And so you're checking things out. And that's so wonderful. Jesus tells us again and again and again that the person who is at that seeker stage is the most important person in any, any congregation, any gathering, that, you know, you would, be, you would do well to leave 99 regular believers uh, to go help the one who is still seeking to find his or her way. I mean, Jesus says that the angels rejoice more in heaven over a seeker who's finding her his way to belief than they do over someone who is serving yet another faithful year. In the same way that we get excited about birth, you know. I mean, every birthday we celebrate, but a new birth is like, uh, I mean, that's huge. Um, there's the young follower You've made that decision to become a follower, and you have to, you have to get, get the basics down. Because if you don't get them down, you'll be stunted forever. So you've got to get some basic things down. You've got to get them incorporated in your life. There's that part where you're just kind of reaching maturity and what that means for your daily life, for your daily habits and your daily goals, and for ministry, which needs to be part of your daily life. And if you don't get that down, you'll be stunted. You'll be stuck there a long time. There's that stage where it's like, all right, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm going to start discipling others. I'm going to start raising up others. That stage comes sooner than most of us think. And, and, and it's about what it takes to care for people over time because people can be awesome and they can be terribly frustrating. Turn to someone next to you and say, you can be terribly frustrating. Life varies. Life has a lot of ups and downs. But a life built around loving people has more ups and downs than you can even calculate. Because people are crazy. People are crazy. Raise dogs. It's easier. There's that bit about, you know, in, in middle life, overcoming fatigue and drift just as your gears shift. And then there's the bit about building a legacy, stuff that will last after you're gone. Mostly it's an awareness that time is passing for you. Time is passing for all of us. And I really think that's what Psalm 90 verse 12 is, is about. Do you know where you're at? Have you numbered your days appropriately? I mean, have you really thought this true? Because that will help you be wise, and it will help you be powerful and effective. And if you miss that in life, then, then uh, you're in trouble. When we're very young and when we're very old, we tend to number our days. <laughs> but, of course, we should do it all along the way uh, as well. So how are you doing on your journey through faith which is to say, do you have the sense that it is a journey, and do you try to make progress that is appropriate for the segment of the journey that, you are, that you're on? Are you nailing it, or are you just kind of letting the changes happen? 
instead of making changes that need to happen. And I think that's a big dividing line for most lives. Depending on where you are in life, you may need to rethink what you're about now. You might need to make some transitions. You don't want to be late. Don't want to be early either. Otherwise, you might just drift. And let's all agree together that drifting sucks. Do it again. Turn to someone and say, drifting sucks. Let it come out of your mouth. Because I, I, I think this is, this is the big cancer in life. It's just drifting, right? Satan does not defeat you by getting you to just stop, to quit. Satan defeats you by getting you to drift until finally you have no momentum at all. Uh, we lose life by inches, typically. We lose by inches. It's the spirit of, eh, and oh, let's just whatever, the spirit of whatever. That's usually what does it. So drifting sucks, and more than anything else, this will be a sermon series on why, uh, why drifting sucks and, and what you need to do to overcome it, uh, no matter where you are in life, what uh, stage growth transition uh, that, you're, that you're in. Uh, drifting sucks always. You don't, you don't want to be that person that wakes up one day and says, what the heck happened to the last 15 years? Some of us are already that person, right? It's like, wow, how did that happen? Uh, I heard uh, recently a phrase that is popular uh, among parents with young children. The days are long, but the years are short. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, man, we got so much to do in any given day. Man, where did the year go? <laughs> Time flies even though it seems like it's very full. You don't want to be that person uh, who kind of misses the point of the journey along the way. And you don't have to, you don't want to have to wonder about how you'll be judged. Because here's a fundamental, here's a fundamental. Death and judgment are coming. Death and judgment are coming. Jesus pretty much never talks about what in Christian tradition has been, you know, termed as, as hell and what that involves and punishment in, in, in the way that's popularized. Um, I think a lot of that is unbiblical, but he's very clear that there will be a judgment. He, and he talks about that. Uh, rather frequently, death and judgment are coming. And that too, I think, is contained in what Psalm 90 was warning about. And number your days. Number your days rightly. And that will make your heart wise. You don't want to, you don't want to dally. Um, so uh, some steps to kind of get it together, get us started. A couple of steps uh, as we contemplate the journey that is life and the journey that is spiritual life in particular. Step one, you're going to die pretty soon. That's step one. You only have so much time and you will be judged for how you fill it. Just so you know. I mean, that is one of those basic things. One of those basic things. I don't mean for that to be, you know, hellfire and brimstone. 
I mean for it to be, you know, Psalm 90. I mean, think, you only have so many days, you know, that this life is really a stage for the next. Um, and you have to realize that. You have to realize that. You know, it has eternal repercussions uh, for you and, and the people around you. So that's step one. Uh, death and judgment are coming. I feel like I should pause for 10 seconds and let that sink in. Death and judgment are coming. One of the primary Jesus teachings. Yeah. Get serious about that stuff. You know? How you behave counts, man. Step two, uh, generally, most generally, I think we want to avoid gaps in your spiritual life. Avoid gaps in your ministry life. Avoid gaps. Avoid, avoid drifting. Know what you got to get done when you got to get it done. Avoid gaps. And that will be one of the themes of the sermon series. Don't think there's a period in life when you're not on you know? You know what I mean by that? When you don't have to get on it. You have to be in season even when it's out of season. That's a recurring theme in the New Testament as well. In fact, uh, there's some scripture here from 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, which is a poignant letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his younger protege, Timothy. Uh, it was written uh, right at the end of, of Paul's life. You'll get that feeling as I read it. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8. Some final advice that, uh, that Paul is, is sending his spiritual son. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom when he comes again, I give you this charge. I, I, I'm going to charge you with the, with the responsibility. I'm going to charge you with the way of life. Be so charged, he says. Preach the word. Be, prepa- be prepared in season and out of season. There's that phrase. There is no off season in life. <laughs> Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. Uh, the, uh, the Greek word there is sometimes translated long-suffering. I think maybe stamina would be a good word. With great stamina. And careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. He could turn a colorful phrase, that guy. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, more convenient teachings. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all your duties, all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He, He knew where he was. He knew where he was at. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He's fairly confident about judgment and what it will mean uh, for him. So, you know, if I could sort of summarize what, what he's putting here in this uh, final note of advice to Timothy. Uh, number one, he says, dude, stay on it. There is no off-season, in-season and out-of-season. There is no time in life where it's okay to drift for any length of time. Because as soon as you start that, it is a slippery slope, and you get into trouble really, really fast. Do not give the devil a foothold, he would say um, later in a different epistle earlier on. Like, man, there is no off-season. There is no off-season. Coasting is the greatest danger on this journey. Just coasting. Just going with the current for you sailors. If you don't fight the current, you don't stay still, the current takes you away. And life is, is much the same. Uh, it says there, there should be no gaps in season and out of season. You should be patient, which is to say you should have stamina with what you do. If you're a distance runner, you have to keep your rhythm. You have to, you have to keep it going. You have, to, you have to find your pace and stick with it. Otherwise, uh, you won't finish. Let there be no gaps in your ministry life with patience. Uh, the way that he writes, you know, with, with patience and careful instruction, you got to correct and rebuke and encourage. I mean, there's a lot of tending language here. You got you to stay on people. It speaks to me of, of coaching rather than teaching, which is a philosophy that I've really adopted in my own ministry. It's really, really easy to teach people the truth. I could teach you, I mean, certainly the great fundamental truths of the kingdom— I think, perhaps conceitedly, I could teach you a lot of the great fundamental truths of life that would serve you. I could do that in an afternoon, no problem. No problem. But coaching you, right, drilling you to stay on it, I mean, that's really where the work is. That's where the fruitfulness is. There's only, you know, so many principles you have to know, but to develop the capacity to encourage the capacity, to kind of correct the techniques of life. Well, that's like coaching. That's kind of reminding you of what you already know, calling you to be faithful to what you already know, helping you to follow through, encouraging one another because I need that as well. That's what I mean by coaching. Primarily the work is coaching and tending, you know, staying on it with no gaps. Uh, Paul's advice always strikes me uh, like that. People will vary. People around you will vary. If, you're, uh, in, if you follow Jesus, if you're in the ministry life, then you're in the people business, and, and they will probably have seasons even if you don't. They will, for instance, forget sound teaching from time to time and grab onto little convenient teachings or get obsessed about this problem or that problem or this latest thing or that latest thing. You know how people are, right? And Paul says, you can expect that to happen, Tim, but, you know, press on, discharge your duties. And then the final few lines, you know, Paul knows that he's about to die. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He measures his life in terms of the sacrifices that he's made for Christ, which is always a great metric, I think. He uses that phrase, drink offering, which is an Old Testament phrase, 
you know, it was a type of offering that you would make at the altar. But I can't help but think he was also thinking about, you know, Jesus' last supper with the guys that had already become a, a firm tradition in the church at this point, communion, and how Jesus described his own sacrifice as being poured out, his blood being poured out, and that really being a promise from the Lord to sacrifice for you and encouragement that we should sacrifice for him and for each other. Awesome language, very memorable. But most poignantly, I think, in the whole passage, there's this sense that Paul has not left anything undone. I mean, that's, that's what gets him charged up. I have finished the race, he says. You know, I have finished that which I was supposed to do. Or, as I would say, as I, I meditated upon it, he has finished and not just ended. Oh, there's a big difference between finishing and ending. We're all going to end. We're not all going to finish. I think that's true of life, and I also think that's true of seasons of life. I mean, you have to finish what you're about right now. If you just kind of end and try to move on to the next thing or something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to screw you up. You have to complete each season in its time, right? It's a huge difference in life between finishing something and things just ending. And that is a worthy proverb, I think, for us to meditate on as we go out into uh, the week. Life principle, to finish rather than end. And that's what, get Paul, that's what gets Paul so charged up here. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have tended and guarded it, is what the word means. I would like to finish as a man of God rather than just kind of end as a man. I want to finish as a husband and not just kind of die and leave Sonia a widow someday. I want to complete my role as a father and not just, you know, have it end when the kids are old enough. Finally, I want to complete my role as a son and as a grandson. I thought about that a lot as my father was dying. I would like to complete, I would like to finish my ministry and my life purpose and not just end it someday because, you know, I don't know, I got worn out or I drifted or, man, I just got to retire sometime. I want to finish. I want echoes of my life even after I'm gone. I want legacy, which comes from finishing. Bad legacy comes from just ending. And I want my echoes to be instructive and meaningful. And, and I think there's a way to think about finishing that's appropriate to, to your stage. You want, to, you want to seek if you're at the seeking stage, but not just seek. You want to find. Finding is the finishing of seeking, right? I mean, so you've got to drive to finish. If you're a seeker, you've got to drive to find. That's appropriate to where you're at. Are you following me? Uh, if you're sort of beginning to follow and in that first blush of maturity, you want to grow, but not just grow. You want to actually transform, right? I mean, that's what being born again means. You want to become the person, the new person, and not just sort of dabble at growth. You know, it's like, it's like those of us who have made New Year's resolutions to get fit at the gym. It's like, 
you don't just want to go to the gym. You want to get fit because if you go to the gym like, you know, once every two weeks, you'll just be sore for the entire year, right? You want to finish that thing. You want to get fit. You get to a point where going to the gym is actually enjoyable and refreshing. Seriously, it can happen. Um, so you want to grow, but not just grow. You want to transform. You want, you want to fellowship. You want relationships, but not just fellowship. You want spiritual brothers and sisters and, and children, spiritual children in your fellowship, folks that you raise up and keep track of your whole life. You want that. That would be finishing fellowship. You want to serve but you also want a ministry that you understand, that you deepen and build. You want a life journey, not just changes that happen to you as you age. There's a difference. Um, you want to make moves of purpose, as if you were following a leader and a Lord. You want life to be like that. And when you die, you want people to say, oh, that was faith. That was love. And you want that. Uh, to be clear. Um, so, you know, we'll go through some of those stages. Uh, we'll talk, you know, addressing the seekers and, and investigators that, you know, we'll talk about reasons that you might believe, things that might actually help you find God and rest in truth, reasons you might believe. We'll be addressing that. Basic things that you definitely should know. We'll be talking to young Christians Basic things you definitely should do. Some basic things you definitely should not do. We'll address all of that, which is appropriate uh, to folks in their first uh, season of, of following. You've got to get these things right. There are things that you need to do to be strong. Righteousness and forgiveness being huge. You have to learn conversation with God. Um, you have to know about walking with the supernatural Holy Spirit. These are things that were very basic as the early church grew and that Jesus taught his disciples at square one. Uh, you have to know how to actually grow in faith, not just to have belief, but to grow in faith. Because there's a difference between belief and faith, right? Belief is like deciding to believe certain things. Faith is acting on what you believe. Faith is try. And you have to grow and try in life. That's like the main thing of a disciple. You have to try the things that your belief compels and never stop trying. Uh, they'll be like starting to minister and getting to know uh, your ministry, basic lessons of the ministry life, the ups and downs that everyone who tries to care for human beings goes through. Um, there are some general things that can be said about that that maybe will help us in that stage. We'll talk about how to be radical in middle age. Can I hear it from all the middle-aged people? You can't hear them because they're wheezing, uh, but, <laughs> but we're out there, you know. Uh, elements of, of godly fellowship or elements of, of having a godly family, you know, those of us who have kids and spouses and, and uh, Others in, in our home want to know how to do that in a godly way, and we need to encourage that, instruct, and coach that in one another. Um, we'll talk about moving in your life purpose, of course, which is something that we talk about frequently. And we'll talk about building legacy because, I don't know, that's why churches get established. We're going to talk about all of those things. 
uh, what I'd like to pray for us as we close today is that the Lord would speak to you about your journey. When Jesus calls you, he calls you to purpose, but he calls you to finish. He calls you to finish. And I think uh, wherever we are at, we have to begin the next day with finishing in mind. Even if you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, you have to make a decision to begin that with finishing in mind. We want to be good finishers, whether it's finishing the season that you're in or finishing uh, earthly life, which will come soon enough, people. And we have to keep it in mind in some fashion. Let's pray. Sort of an old-fashioned idea, uh, Lord. A paraphrase of a Jesus sermon. You're all going to die. Get with it. Um, We thank you that you are a God of life. um, And that we have eternal hope in that. That we can rest in it and expect eternity. And I pray, Father, that our lives would all be anchored in eternity and the passage that will get us there, the passage of finishing that which we've been called to do. I pray for the birth of faith in the individuals here this morning who need it. I pray for the first birth of faith. I pray for the passage into believing in in God uh, and his anointed Jesus. Begin that begin that. I just charge you as your brother in the Lord. Yeah, begin that. Make that leap. Get on with it. I mean, finish this stage if you possibly can. And I bless that beginning in your heart and soul in the name of Jesus. He's introduced himself to you. He's made the introduction, hasn't he? The Spirit is upon you and you can feel him stirring. It's freaking awesome. It's the beginning of life that you get to finish with his help. I pray for those of us who have been walking this walk a long time, and I pray, Father, that you would give us renewed awareness of where we're at in the race, what it is that we have to do to be appropriate with it, and to be powerful and effective. I pray, Lord, that we would leave nothing undone that is appropriate to this season. I pray that you would make us finishers in life, to finish the things that we began. You are faithful to finish the good works that you've begun in us, Lord. I know, Lord, that you have numbered our days as you have numbered the hairs on our head. I pray... Uh, Lord, that you would cause us to live them in a timely way. I pray that you would deliver us from the fear of death, but bless us all with the seriousness of finite time on earth. I pray, Lord, that we'd be people of purpose and people of joy, uh, as we know uh, that we get to be with you forever. 
I pray that uh, as we begin this sermon series that uh, that you would infuse us uh, with the brand new uh, sort of joy, uh, a resilient and strong one. Now let us be happy travelers, even as we travel with power. In Christ's name, everybody says amen.